got a good word for you this morning, and I got to go fast because it, it has a tendency to run long. I got a lot of stuff to say. When I get excited about something, I just want to talk it to death, and that's not always the best for you. For me, it's not bad, but for you, okay. I, I want to do a little bit of bragging, a little bit of personal bragging. As you guys can see in your notes, the, the, the title of the message is called Generosity Can Blow Your Mind. I absolutely, 100%, with all my heart, believe that. I think I'm living proof of that. Generosity can blow your mind. God can do stuff where you're just like, what? How did that happen? I don't deserve that. Where did that come from? We're going to talk about how I think uh, generosity ties into that. But I want to do something to brag a little bit. I want to show you this picture. I got to brag. I'm a good dad. And this is my daughter. She made the cover of Honolulu Magazine. I am so proud of her. 16 years old. That blows my mind right there, that my daughter is on the cover of Honolulu Magazine. Um, it's been an amazing thing to watch her kind of get into modeling a little bit. And I don't want to say it's like a modeling career. It's not like we're just like chasing after that. We're not like, you know, like those kind of uh, crazy shows that you see on TV, like the pageant moms and stuff like that. That's not us. We're just more along the lines of someone suggested when the kids are little, you should get an agent and just like list them and keep them on whatever, uh, on file. So if any companies are call and they're looking for kids that look like your kids, it's pretty easy work, right? Just stand around and let people take pictures of you. Isn't that what modeling's all about anyway, right? Pretty easy. I don't know. But um, when she was five, we kind of did that whole deal and listed her. And you know what her very first job was? Check this out. This is awesome. Her first job she got as a little five-year-old kid was in 50 Fertz's Dates with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. And she played one of the kids of Rob Schneider in that movie. You guys seen that movie? Filmed in Hawaii, and there's like, there's like Rob Schneider. He plays Ula or whatever his name is, right? He's got three boys and one girl. Kylie is the little girl in that movie. So crazy, that right there blew our mind. I mean, like, what? How do you get that? That's awesome. God, wow, that's a favor of God. So we went through that whole thing, and she's got another modeling job since, and she's been in this big Pottery Barn catalog recently. Anybody? Pottery Barn fans? Anybody know what that is? You guys know? Anyway, it's pretty cool. She got like a bunch of shots in there, but... There's been a lot of things, but even that leads me to be thinking about stuff like that that blows my mind. Wow, how did she get that? And how did she get on the cover and all this stuff? But even in her own family, um, God gave us some crazy blessings like that in the modeling thing. Now, we don't do modeling. We're not, you know, I don't know that whole world, but we were on vacation in California once and um, there was like an open casting call for families and we were with our um, in-laws and they do a lot of modeling. They know what to do and go on interviews and all of that kind of stuff. We didn't, but we're on vacation. And they said, any family can try out for it. And we're like, we might as well. We're on vacation. You do dumb stuff when you're on vacation. So we just, let's go try. Went to LA. They like, there's hundreds of people that apply, like all these families, because it's an open casting call, right? So we're just like, sure, let's try. So they go and they film you for five minutes and they just ask you a few questions and they want to see what you look like and how will you respond in video, blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that one of my kids did something inappropriate because they always do. And I just thinking, well, <laughs> there goes that job, right? But we just figure we're not really even trying for it. Well, the funny thing is a couple weeks later, we get back to Hawaii and they call us up and it was for Apple Computer. It was for their new campaign. And they said, hey, we like you. You're the family for our campaign. And so they took all these pictures. They flew us back to California. We got, they put us up in a cabin by a lake. We got to do all this fun stuff. And they're taking pictures of us and shooting video. And literally, we were popping up on the operating system, demos and iPhoto. We were popping up in Apple stores around the world. People from Japan calling me. I saw you in Tokyo Apple Store. <laughs> you were on the wall. And I was like, what? And so we're just like... Mind blown, right? Who are we to deserve this? We didn't do anything. We showed up at some casting call. We don't even know what we're doing, you know? And we got it. And I just go, thank you, God. And it actually paid us some money too, right? Like, wow. And then we think, we're just thinking, God, you're amazing. That's awesome. We didn't deserve it. Be blessed, God. You're the man, right? And then a year later, 
They call us back again. Hey, uh, this is Apple calling again. We're looking for family. We like you guys. Would you guys be willing to do another job for us? Like, oh, let me pray about it. Yes. Um, <laughs> came out to the North Shore, put us up in a house on the North Shore for three days. Why don't you go play in the water and surf and go on the beach and da-da-da? And we're just going to take pictures and video. Sure. Same deal. We actually got a, a shot in one of the Apple commercials during the Super Bowl. Someone's like, I saw you guys on TV during the Super Bowl. And we're like, what? And it's just like, Mind blown again. And we're just thinking, God, two times? We're not even models? Like, what? That's crazy. Two years later, one more time. Hey, guys. No way. Sure enough, three times. They called us back. We went to California, did another scene in the backyard, the, the whole nine yards. But I was thinking about that, thinking about my daughter and this stuff. And I'm like, we don't pursue that. We're not chasing after that. We're not even praying into that. God just blessed us. And I think of all the times in my life when I've had like free cars given to me or hookups on different things or the way houses have have come about or not just financially, but different relationships that have worked out and different things in my life that I'm like, no way should that have happened or that person came and talked to me. This, that doesn't make sense. And I've learned a lesson because I think there's a lot of times in life when we get blessed because we asked for it. We prayed, and our God is a good God that likes to give good gifts to his kids. He likes to hear us ask for things. Is that right? You guys can all attest to it. Yes, that happens in my life. I pray, God answers prayer. Anybody ever have a prayer answered? Okay, you guys get it. So, but there's the times in my life, and they've happened quite frequently, where I get blessed, and I don't understand where it's coming from because I didn't activate it through prayer. Are you guys hearing me? What I believe, I believe strongly in, and we're going to talk about today, is this little verse that I always go back to, that basically God in his scripture is teaching us a lesson. If you can give to me your time, your resources, your money, your skills, your whatever you have, and you're generous about living a life for me and giving to my purposes and other people, says this in Malachi 3.10, he says, if you do that, but says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I'll blow your mind. Right? That's what he's saying here is if you give generously, and I'm, this isn't just a tithing message this morning. This is more of a culture of generosity that I see thriving in our church, but I believe God has even more in store for us to the point when stuff starts happening in your life that you're going, where did that good thing come from? You can look back and go, this is a biblical concept. It's a principle. It's a law like gravity. What goes up must come down. You give generously, God will give you back and he'll bless you. I believe that it's that much of a principle that every Christian actually ought to live by. The problem why we don't live by it is this. We think I'll be generous when I have enough to spare to be generous, right? Don't we think that? I think that in my life. I think I do the normal stuff and I'm doing good, and I, and I give the normal things that I'm, I'm required to do. I'm living a good Christian life, managing well, and if I get blessed with an extra blessing, or I have extra time to spare, or something like that, then I'm going to use that, and I'm going to go be generous, and we think, I don't have to be generous all the time, because I don't always have enough left over to share. How many of you guys kind of think, that that's kind of about the life, or just me, really, just me? No, I really think that. We're not more generous, because we don't necessarily always see direct results, And so we think, I get by, I'm a good person, and when I got extra, I'm going to give extra. But here's what I think God is trying to say. God is trying to say that being generous all the time is going to get you these unseen blessings that are out, out there. I believe what we're talking about today is that generosity actually unlocks unseen blessings that are out there. You may not see it right away. You may not get the result right away. But God is using it to do something big, and he promises in Scripture that if you're a generous person, he's going to do big things in your life. 
I'm not just saying that because I just said that, but look at this verse right here in Proverbs 11:24. It says, "The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped." God is saying, if I've got the right heart of generosity and giving and looking to meet needs and just wanting to always do what is right, even if it's hard to do, but always being someone that gives, is my sphere of influence is going to get bigger. My area of return, my blessings are going to get bigger. My ability to minister for God and to make him famous in life is going to become much bigger and greater and and multiplied if I am a person that practices generosity. And I believe that the thing that we need to recognize is you may not always see the blessing or the return right away, but that's no reason to not be generous, is that God wants to do big things. Sometimes we don't see them right off the bat. See, there's a story I read recently about these college students in New York City. Do we have a picture of them? Three college students sharing a room together, rooming together, and they go to the thrift store one day. They go to the thrift store and they buy themselves a new couch for 20 bucks, right? We've done that thrift store shopping, you get the deal. And they're like starving college students, let's get it, let's get this couch together. They go home, they sit down, they're trying out the new couch. This is awesome. 20 bucks, what a deal. And they're like, ah, what is that? Something's poking me. They lift up the arm cushion. They're, what is this? Paper. They pull it out, this big envelope. And inside they open it, $700 in cash in the armrest, right? And we just paid 20 bucks for this couch. And then they start going, let's dig deeper. What if this is a magic couch, you know? (laughs) So they start diving in and they start pulling out envelope after envelope over $40,000 in cash from a thrift store, $20 couch, right? And they're just like, oh my gosh, the unseen blessings. We buy the couch and we get all of this stuff. Now, the funny thing on the side is that the reason this couch came to be was some lady had been tucking her life savings away in her couch. I don't trust the banks. I'm trusting my couch, right? Put it in her couch. Her kids thought it would be a great idea to get mom a new couch because that couch looks so worn out. Let's take the old couch to the thrift store and let's buy mom an awesome new sectional. She'll be so surprised. (laughs) She comes home, very surprised. Where's my couch, right? Luckily, some of the envelopes on, not this picture, go back to the other one. Still telling the first story. There we go. The, the envelopes said this person's name. And so they were actually honest college students. They actually tracked it down. They found the lady and she told them the story. And they were just blessed that they were able to bless her. And she actually gave them each $1,000. There's three of them. You had $1,000 each just for being good people. So the shocker is more the story that you bought a $20 couch and you got $40,000, right? Then the next picture is kind of along the same lines. This is the next story, is that this guy's a general contractor working on this lady's bathroom remodel. He's opening up her her bedroom walls, or bathroom walls. He finds a a, a nail with a wire hanging down and a box at the bottom. A couple more boxes, pulls it up. He finds inside, in Depression-era currency from the 20s, he finds $182,000 in cash. And so there it is. They're flipping out. They're just like, oh my gosh, wow. And hidden in my walls, there's this huge blessing. And this is the day they took the picture. They found the cash. Within days later, greed got the best of them. They started fighting. Finders keepers. No, it's in my house. No, it belongs to someone whose name is on the envelope. And what happened eventually was over 20 people had to go to court for it after taxes and all of that. They each got like a small percentage and greed kind of just blew the whole deal. But the thing I'm concerned about is this, is that you never know where the blessing is going to come from. That there's unseen blessings that are waiting for you out there, for you and for me out there in our lives. And generosity is the key to unlocking those blessings. Because I've been a a person who always has been a tither, always tried to be generous with my money. I believe when those random weird things happen, like you get three Apple jobs in a row, 
Nothing I deserve to, to pray into. I didn't deserve it, anything. But I'm going, God, why would you do that? And then I read these verses that say, if you're a generous person, I'm going to open the, the windows of heaven and give you so much blessing, it's going to blow your mind, right? And I believe that's a concept that we as Christians need to take into our lives because of this. Because of what we have been given in Jesus Christ and the message of the cross, communion, what we took this morning, the generosity exhibited by God towards us, we should be the most generous people on planet earth. We should live a lifestyle of generosity that compares to no one else because we know the source in which we receive the generosity. Secondly, the promises of God tell us if we put God in his plans first and we have this generous spirit, he promises to give us all of these crazy blessings that we will blow our mind. And you may not see the direct result. Well, I tithed 10%. I didn't get 10% back. Yeah, but you got this crazy job over here or you got this, this car for this discounted price or you got that, that marriage that was supposed to fall apart, but God worked it out for you. The blessings come in different packages that are unseen, but it starts because of our generosity. Are you guys hearing me this morning? So I want to talk a little bit more about that. The apostle Paul, he's encouraging this church in Corinth, the town of Corinth. Now here's, here's the setting really quick. Apostle Paul is in this land of Macedonia right now. He's hanging out with the churches over there. There's a church in, in Philippi, the church in uh, Thessalonica, Berea. He's hanging out with these Christians here. And he's writing his letter to this church at Corinth, which he helped start. And he visited them before, but he's trying to encourage them. They had some problems. He's coached them. They're working it out. They're getting better. He's in Macedonia with these guys. And th- together, these guys, the guys in Corinth, are all trying to take about a, a monetary offering to give to their friends the church in Jerusalem who is having hard times, they're in poverty, they're hurting. And Paul's trying to rally the troops and go, guys, come on, we love Jesus. This is what it's all about. Let's give to Jerusalem. So he's in Macedonia. He's writing this letter to the Corinthians saying, hey, Corinthian guys, I'm here with these guys, the Macedonians. They're on fire with their giving. They're fired up. They're doing it right. I want to challenge you guys to understand the gift of generosity and what that could do in your life as we give to the Jerusalem church. Okay, you guys got the setting right now? So he's writing this now to the Corinthians. He's saying in 2 Corinthians 8.1, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches here in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles. They're going through it and they're very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. These guys are hurting, they're struggling too, but they're stoked on God. These guys are fired up and it's resulted in their giving. And he says this, I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. You see, a definition of generosity that I read as I looked up the definition of generosity is when you're ready to give bountifully, abundantly, liberally, and freely, but it's also giving above what's expected. It's also giving above what's normal. Do you guys understand that like, if I work at a job, then the employer pays me money. They give me something. But I earn that, so that's normal. That's, that's normal giving. Generosity is when you give of your time, of your resources, of your skills, your talents. You give of yourself above the normal requirements. Are you guys understanding me on that one? Like I, I, um, I leave for work in the morning and my wife says, I love you. And I said, I love you back. Oh, I'm so generous. I'm so generous. I just told my wife I love her. That's normal. That's expected, right? She told me she loves me. I love her back. But generosity, here's what Paul is saying here to the Corinthian church. Guys, this is an example of generosity. They gave more than they could afford, far more. And they did it with a joyful heart. They did it even of their own free will. In fact, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. 
Remember Pastor Rob said this morning, when we give to the needs of others or we give to the church even, it's the fact that we get to give. What a privilege and an opportunity. Not, oh, I have to give. Oh, I have to give my stuff. There's something the Macedonians understood that they were excited and fired up to be part of the process. Wait, we're gonna bless those guys in Jerusalem? Hey, where do I, I wanna bless them too. Can I be part of that? They're gonna be so stoked. They're gonna be so blessed. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Can I be a part of that, please? Because I know what's gonna happen. Their needs are gonna get met. We're gonna feel good about giving to other people and God's gonna replenish our needs as well so we can give even more. Is that good? And so they're, they're excited. But what, what I want you to understand in this is that generosity is an attitude. It's not a decision. Generosity is an attitude. It's not a decision. I went out to, um, driving out to Waianae, West Side. Every Monday lately, I've been driving out West Side because it's always sunny out there. It's beautiful. There's waves. There's shells. I like to go shelling. I could go diving. It's beautiful out there. So what, is, what does it get me when I get out there? Well, I crashed my truck into another car. That happened one, one day when I was out there. Remember the story I told you guys? But that's okay. It works out. Every one of those trials is an opportunity for God's grace to shine in my life, right? So figure out, I'll take, take that as you, God, working in my life. I go out there this past week. I got Pastor Tom in my car, his wife, Grace, and the two twins in the backseat. We're going out there for a day at the beach, stop at 7-Eleven, pick up some Spam Musubis, as we always do, don't we? Come on. That's the best place to get them, 7-Eleven. Anyways, Spam Musubis, I get back in the truck to start the car. The, the truck won't start. Battery completely dead. What is it with me in the west side, God? But um, so I got cables in my car, pull them out. And I'm like, God, uh, help me find someone. I just need to start my car. Ladies next to me, she comes out with her little son and they got Slurpees and they're sitting there. And I go, hey, uh, my, my truck won't start. Battery's dead. But if I could get a jump, I got cables from you, then everything would be all good. Oh, that's a bummer. That's too bad. Oh, you know what? I would totally help you. But and I'm like, oh, no. She goes, I just had to get my car jumped yesterday. I don't know if I got enough juice to get your car going. And I'm thinking, if her car starts, she's going to have the alternator, the generator running. It, she'll have enough juice to start my car. But I don't want to explain all of that to her. I just, you know, thank you. It's cool. No problem. I'll find someone else. So I go to ask someone else. And then, she, then like literally a minute later, she goes, hey, you know what? You know what? Come. I don't know how the car thing works or whatever. And I don't know if my car's going to die, but just try anyway. I was like, wow, thanks. And she goes, yeah, you know why? My son in the backseat, he said, mom, we got to help this nice man. We got to do it. You got to help him. And so I was like, wow, right on, right? So she lets me, so I pop the, the hood and I'm, I'm over there trying to hook it up. And then the guy over here on the other side heard and his battery was closer to mine and everything. He goes, nah, nah, I got it here, I'll do it. So we jumped in, but I thanked the, the lady, I thanked their little son and they, they drove off. But I was thinking this, that when you have a generous heart, not just making a decision, when you have a generous heart, you're willing to do whatever's right, you don't count the cost. Are you guys hearing me? When you have a generous heart, you do what's right and you don't count the cost involved. It's not just the decision you make. It's you can't help yourself because your heart's in the right place. Are you guys hearing me? And see, God loves little kids, doesn't he? Jesus said, let the little ones come unto me. Don't keep them from me. In fact, for all of you to enter the kingdom of heaven, you should be like those little kids. Their innocent faith, they're, they're wanting to do what's right and not even considering the cost. That's a generous heart. And see, my daughter, kindergarten, shows up at school a few weeks back and uh, goes to class and she goes to A plus program after school and they have a little thing called snack shop. You can buy like, you know, candies and snacks and whatnot. And apparently she showed up at, at snack shop with a $20 bill, five years old, right? So she, <laughs> I, I come to school to pick her up afterwards and the teacher's like, hey, I have this envelope for you. This has this. And I'm like, why is there money in here? And she's like scolding me, right? You know how that feels? And you're like, you're instantly back in elementary school. Oh, 
And she's like, you know, you shouldn't let your daughter bring money to school. I'm like, what? Wait, what's going on? She goes, this is the change. Your daughter bought herself a snack. She bought her friends a snack. And she was ready to treat everybody at A plus to whatever they wanted. And luckily, we saw it and we caught it. And here's your change. Don't let her go to school with that much money again. I'm like, I promise it wasn't me. Stop scolding me, you know? So I tell my daughter, and this is the tricky part. I got to scold her somewhat because you don't just take money. She, she found her birthday money jar and she got it and she was all happy, right? Didn't tell me. I go, you don't take money like that to school without asking me. But on the other hand, I didn't want to scold too hard because I want to reward the generous heart of the kids that are saying, I just want to bless people and love people and treat my friends to candy bars, you know? <laughs> and so here's a, don't you believe this is the heart of God? That God is going, I want to reward your generous heart and the fact that you want to give to people and you don't consider the cost. See, there's something to be said for the generosity of our heart that comes from a right heart before God. It's not just decisions we make. If we've got the right heart, it's just going to flow easy. You do the right thing, right? You don't count the cost. And so I believe this is what Paul is saying. Look at these Macedonians. That's what they're all about. Then he goes on in verse 5 and says, they even did more than we had hoped for. And this is really cool. I want you to see this in Scripture and underline it in your Bible. It says, their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Now, in the NLT version that we use, it says their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us. But if you really read it in the, in the proper, like just the, the wording of it, really, it's their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and then to us. That he, Paul's making a point that the reason they gave is because they had an obedient heart for God. Is it the, the motivation in their life? The first action was to give themselves to the Lord and then to us, just as God wanted them to do. The emphasis is on the fact that they trusted God before they trusted in their own money and their own finances. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving as well. Generosity, it's not just an attitude, but it comes from a heart after God. Not just a good attitude. And you know, It's hard for me to get motivated just to be a good person and to give stuff away. But when I go, wait, this is because God did stuff for me and because I love God. And now that love for God and doing the things that he wants me to do, I surrender everything in my life to him. So money happens to be one of those things. My time has to be, happens to be one of those things. My gifts happen to be one of these, the words that come out of my mouth. God, I'm surrendered to you. My heart is for you. Thus, I will be a generous person. Does that make sense? It starts with a heart that's after God and his purposes, that it's everything surrendered to God. Let me show you, tell you another story, show you a picture this is my, some of my extra family over here. Um, this is my wife, Kanani's sister, Julie, and her husband, Gabriel, Jibo. We call him Jibo. So Jules and Jibo, they are family to us, but they're like our best friends. We do everything together, our families. They recently moved back to Hawaii. These are their kids, Selah, Shiloh, Evie, and Liv. They recently moved back to Hawaii. They grew up in Hawaii, but like us, went away for college and schooling, and they've been up there a long time. They just recently moved back. Then they live close to us. And Jibo was telling me the other day, talking about generosity and about heart for God above the heart for your stuff and your money and your needs, God before circumstances. He goes, you know, there was a time when I was laid off from my job. My brother-in-law's always had like jobs out of college in the surf clothing industry. So he's worked for Lost Clothing. He's, he's worked for um, Element, Billabong, Von Zipper, uh, Hurley recently. And then Nike bought out Hurley. And when Nike bought out Hurley, they laid off whole departments. And he had a pretty high job as a clothing designer for Hurley. He got laid off out of work. Now, Jules, she stays at home. She helps take care of the kids. She gets modeling jobs when she can. She doesn't have like stable income, right? And so he lost his job. He's a main breadwinner. And they're hurting. 
but they'd always been generous people. They always tithe. They always give. They give of their resources, their gifts. He's been a worship leader. They lead many churches, teach Sunday school. They're just people that love the Lord. And in the midst of this crisis, one of his friends, a spiritual mentor in his life said, hey, Jibo, I'm going to kind of remind you of something. I want to challenge you to this. You don't have to do it if you don't want to do it, but let me just challenge you this. When times are the hardest and you have the least in your life, I dare you to give more to God. He goes, I'm not telling you you have to, but I've seen God do some incredible things in my life. And right now you lost your job. Would you consider maybe praying to giving more towards the things of God because of this principle that's at work in scripture that says the more generous you are, the more you give. So if you're running out of stuff and you're, you're lean, you're not trusting on the world's economy, you're trusting on God's economy. If I have less, if I give more, that will get me more. Does that make sense? So my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they prayed on it. What are we gonna do? Should we do something like that? You know what they came up with? We're gonna double all that we're giving to the Lord. We're gonna double that, even though right now we have no job. And so they doubled down their money, like in poker, right? I doubled down. They doubled down before the Lord. And basically, this is what happened. The very next month, their mortgage rate that had been a fixed mortgage, they, they turned it to an adjustable rate or whatever. I don't know how that works. But they said the very next month, their mortgage payment went down almost $1,000. And to this day, continues to drop for some reason. They don't understand it. The house they own in California, it continues to slowly keep going down. But that was a huge jump that they, what? How does that happen? We didn't even try for that. That just happened to us. Then he gets a job at Hurley, which is a pretty big, well-known surf clothing company. He gets a job now at Quicksilver, which is the biggest surf clothing brand in, in the whole surf industry. And he gets actually later than that, he gets promoted to president of the board shorts division, which is the highest selling division of clothing within the highest selling surf company in the whole industry. So talk about job security. He went from getting laid off to doubling down for the Lord, understanding this concept. It's all about God anyway. I'm going to surrender it all to him. Then he gets the mortgage rate dropped. He gets the better job. He gets the better position. Then he said, that wasn't it. I can't even think. I would have to think and tell you how many blessings started coming. We didn't just stop the doubling down. We've continued to keep that rate all the way until now, where here's another blessing that he got. He got promoted and all this great stuff happened. Then their daughter going into seventh grade is the one seventh grade girl picked in the entire state of California that... In the whole continent, really? Oh, it's even bigger than the state. In the whole uh, continental United States, the one seventh grade girl from the mainland that got picked to go into Kamehameha schools for her seventh grade year. Talk about crazy, right? What did I title the sermon? Generosity can blow your mind. So they said, we're not gonna stop the doubling and they continued to double. It moved them back to Hawaii. The job opportunities are unrolling for them in their life. The blessings keep coming. But you know what that goes back to? Nothing great about them. It's the fact that as these people understood in Macedonia, our first action is to give ourselves wholly and completely to the Lord and his purposes. That right now our lives, no matter good or bad, here's what they look like. God first. And they generously gave. And my brother-in-law and sister-in-law generously gave. You know what? That inspires me. I got to up my game because I want God to bless me. I want him to be more made famous in this world. I want people to understand what kind of a God he is because if it's all for him, you surrender to him. He's going to give you back. It goes on in verse seven and it says, 
Paul's talking to the Corinthians. He goes, you know, you guys were hurting, you were in trouble, and Paul came along and wrote letters and coached them, and they're doing really good now in their faith. He, in fact, he says in verse 7, you excel in so many ways in your faith. He goes, in your faith, you believe in Jesus so much. You're gifted speakers. Man, you've got people that talk about God so well and people are being brought to the Lord. Your knowledge is so good. You've learned so much about the things of the Lord. Your enthusiasm, he goes, you're a zesty church. Church of Corinth, you are a zesty church. So he's telling him, you're so good at all this. Your love from us, you exude this love. That's so good. But then he goes this. You want another way to excel in your faith with Jesus? You want to learn something else that's going to bless you? I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. It's like this. We have relationships with people in our lives, a relationship with my wife, and there's, there's different things I do to make that relationship better and her to me, right? I can talk to her. We talk about, we download everything that happened in our day. We text each other all day long. We do date nights. There's all these different things, but it takes a lot of different things for me to grow in my relationship with my wife. You guys understanding me? And Paul is going, hey, you guys are so good at all of these things in your relationship with God. Hey, you want, you want another way that's gonna do something incredible in your life? It's gonna blow your mind. I want you to excel in this gracious act of generosity, of giving to people's needs. He says in verse eight, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing you. How genuine is your love by comparing it with the eagerness of these other churches? You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus. Think about how generous he was with you. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Here's what I see about generosity. It's it's something that proves our love for the Lord. The reason that I do all those extra things in my relationship is I'm trying to prove to my wife that I love her and I want to get to know her. I want a relationship to grow. And Paul is saying, you do all those things well. Here's one more way to show that you really love God and you're really serious about his purposes for your life. I want you to excel at it. And here's what I believe about our church. We're pretty good at giving. We're pretty generous. There's a lot of people that do a lot of stuff. We built a new children's church building based on all of our pooled resources and money and offerings together that allows for, on a weekly basis, about 280 to 300 kids to find Jesus and to find a place where they're accepted and loved on by our teachers in there. And you know what? A lot of those kids, because they love the children's church so much, have brought the parents who have come and have found the community of the church and have found a relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? But you know what that's a result of? That blessing is a result of this church's generosity in giving towards the things of God. And our tithes and offerings every week, all the stuff that allows us to plant new churches, to go on mission trips and reach churches around the world, um, churches that aren't even really even affiliated even with our church, our denomination, but we believe in the big C church in the world, especially in the islands in this state. We've helped start several other churches that aren't even out of us, but we believe in their pastors and their vision. And so we've taken offerings. We've had them guests speak here and we've dropped like, here's $10,000 to help you go start your church. Here's $10,000 for you to help start your church because we're a church that's going, we want to be generous because if we're generous, then God is generous to us. And the cycle continues, continues. And there's only one person that gets all the glory. And we're trying to make his name famous in this world. So we're a generous church, but I want to take up Paul's little challenge here and go, you're good, but I want you to excel. How could you get better? Because there actually is a promised reward. I'm not hitting you up this morning. And you're going, oh, you just want us to give to the church. and that. No, 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 no. This is a promise for our individual lives that what I said earlier in the, the sermon, your world can get bigger and bigger. Look what Paul says later on in his letter to the Corinthians. This is Paul saying this now, not me, right? He's, he's proving this. Why is it so important to get good at generosity? Second Corinthians 9 in verse 8, he says, God, if you are a giver like this, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. 
As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. You know what God is saying here? God is saying, if you give generously, I'm going to give you back so much that it's not going to be an equal kind of, you gave this and God gave it right back to you. God's going, I'm going to give you so much that you're going to have so much in excess that you're going to be forced with the decision, man, I got to give more to people because I have so much left over. See, God wants to bless us so much, the spirit of generosity, that he give us back so much that we would continue the cycle of giving meeting people's needs, giving him glory. And then he goes, oh, by the way, I want to give you more. You got to give some more stuff away now too. And we just keep on giving. But here's the thing. You're not always going to see it directly, the results, and the blessing's not always going to come exactly if, if you gave money, you got money. But it's more going to be like, I invested time or, or compliments or I, I shared my skill or I volunteered at the church or in my community on the PTA or you know, at my kid's school or whatever. You gave of yourself God's going to reward you in ways that are kind of like the cash in the walls. It's going to come at you one day, and you're going to be like, where did this come from? What a, what a crazy gift from God that was so random. And God's going, that's not random. That's because you obeyed what my word says, and you became a generous person. And I'm a generous God, and I gave it back to you. It didn't look like how you thought it was going to come, but I did it anyway. And you're, you're gonna, you know what you're going to do? Blow your mind. Oh, my gosh. God is so good. You know, and, and I want us to, to get this is that God promises, even in verse 10, he says, God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. See, generosity unlocks the unseen blessings. It does three things. You get blessed because God returns it to you. It's a promise that God says. It's a law. It's like gravity. What goes up must come down. You give to God and his purposes. God will give back to you. So you go, oh man, me personally, selfishly, I get blessed. But then he goes, I'm actually giving you so much that you will continue to give away and you're meeting people's needs out there in this world. You get blessed. You're meeting needs out there in the world. But ultimately, God, our father in heaven, gets all the credit. When people go, why are you like that? How are you so generous? What's going on? All you got to do is say, because my life, my heart is surrendered to God. Because of what God did for me, I can't help but give to other people. You get blessed. Needs get met. Other people get blessed. But our Father in heaven is glorified. And that's what it's all about. That's what we live for, is to glorify him. And so everybody wins in this thing. But we need to understand that it doesn't just happen when you have excess. It happens in every little thing. God doesn't care about the amount. He cares about the attitude behind it. If you just got, well, I can't give as much as someone else. doesn't matter. We pool our resources. See, if everybody in here started going, I want to live more generously. I want to be intentional. I want to excel at giving. Just in the area of money. If everybody in this church tried tithing this week and started tithing, the church is already on a mission to build the church bigger, attract more people, reach the community, reach the world, share the love of Jesus, get more people into heaven. But imagine if we all started giving financially that much more that how much faster could we reach people for Jesus Christ? How much quicker could we build the buildings? How much faster could we train up and send out pastors and worship teams and Sunday school directors? How much more mission trips could we, we go on? How much more could we donate to the community? You know, we're down here um, serving the community. We're trying to adopt Castle High School and Ben Parker School. Anytime they need anything built or fixed or cleaned, we want to be the church that comes down there and, and, and rallies up the money and the troops and we, we fix or we clean or we do whatever we can. How much more schools could we reach if we all decided, let's get behind this? But not even, I don't want you thinking, oh, it's all about the church. What if you just got more generous with your money to the point where you walked around and you went to eat at the restaurants in Kaneohe 
and the waiters saw you coming and they started to fight for your table because you, they knew you're the fattest tipper in town because you're generous because of what God's given you. You want to give to other people. How much more willing now is that waiter or waitress going to be to your invitation to church once they've seen Jesus in action in your life? See, here's what I believe is that we need to live Jesus a lot better than we preach Jesus. That we need to be people that are out there just going, you know what, this is my love, my belief in Jesus in action and being generous to you. And what you did is you just prepared the hearts and you've warmed the souls for those people that you're going, next step, hey, can I invite you to church to meet this God that I believe in? You know what they're going to say? They're going to look and they're going to go, yeah, if there's other people like you there, I want to go there. I want to be like that because that's a blessing to this world. Remember in the gospels, or remember in in Jesus, as he walked this earth, he was a guy that was attractive to the people outside of the family of God. Remember that? Remember, they, they even asked him, the religious leader said, why is it that your master, your leader, you know, your Jesus guy, how come he hangs out with all those notorious sinners? It's because those notorious sinners were drawn to him because they saw something in him, this generous, loving, forgiving heart that said, I don't care where you're at. I love you anyway. I got plans for your life. Come stick with me. Your life's going to go places. And if we actually live Jesus better than we preach Jesus, I think we would have a whole lot more people in the family of God, the kingdom of heaven. Our world would grow larger and larger. You guys hearing me? So I'm not up here preaching some, please don't walk away thinking, oh, he's preaching some prosperity doctrine. No, I'm not. This is promises of God that are saying, however you give, not just financially. What if you actually decided this week, I'm going to take the time to come home two hours early from work so that I can go out there and give my time to play with my kids in the yard. How blessed would your kids be if you surprised them and you did something like that? How blessed would someone be to say that Carl took the time to take me out to Starbucks and sit and just listen to my story? You see, generosity comes in the form of just listening and giving our time to people. Generosity comes in the form of our words. What if this week, every day, you decided to text someone different and do nothing more than to build them up and compliment them and encourage them in the good things that you see happening in their life? your world would be getting bigger and bigger. You would be blessed, they would be blessed, and God would be smiling down, glorified, and going, can't wait to give you more so you can bless more people. You guys hearing me? What would it look like? And I wanna challenge you guys to this. I wanna challenge you guys that, I wanna do this every week, in fact, that our sermons would go home with homework, go home with action, because I think it's one thing to be, as the scriptures say, hearers of the word of God, but it's a whole nother thing to be doers of the word of God, amen? Here's my, here's my challenge for you, the action for you this week. Do three things that are intentional generosity this week. Remember, generosity is above the norm. It's not the normal stuff. Oh, that person gave me a compliment. I complimented them back. I'm good. No, that's normal. That's what you should be doing normally. But as Christians, we should be going above and beyond, making time for someone. Maybe you're skilled at something. You know how to work on cars or something. Your neighbor doesn't. Theirs is broken. You go out of your way to share what you know and to bless that person. Are you guys hearing me? That's generosity in action right there. You treat someone to a meal after church right now. Look around. Who are you going to treat to lunch right now? Some of you guys are going, I hope someone looks at me. <laughs> you treat someone to lunch. You get blessed. They get blessed. God gets glorified. Drop the craziest tip that you've ever dropped on someone in, in a restaurant in Kanye right now just because God told you to and you're a Christian, you're expected to act that way. Amen? What would it look like? I'm challenging you guys. Three things this week. Some of you guys have the gift. You're going to do 30 or 40 of them. I know that. You can't help yourself. But for some of us, we need to stir it up a little bit because 
God is proud of us when we do. And he promises, generosity unlocks the unseen blessings. The cash in the wall is out there waiting for you to find, but you find it through generosity. Amen? Let's bow our heads in this prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for, first of all, you're the one that was generous to us. You did something unthinkable, is that you would send your son, your very only one and only son, to come and to give his life for us. And in, he did it in a horrific way. Lord, to be mocked and blasphemed and to be punched and kicked and spit on and murdered on a cross, Lord, that's what our communion is all about. But he did it because it was the greatest act of generosity, which is love in action. You did it so that we could know you and have a relationship with you. So Lord, first and foremost, it is all about you. The only reason that we would be motivated to give is not because some pastor preacher told us something to inspire us, but it's because you did it already. You paid the price for each and every one of us. And Lord, we wanna live to glorify you. And we want our lives to look like Jesus. Lord, that we wanna, we wanna make you proud of us the way that we live every day. Because Lord, some of the people in our lives, the only Jesus they're gonna ever experience is us in their lives, living out our Christianity, living out our generosity. And until they come to know you, Lord, we wanna be able to witness for you and to love on people. We want our lives to live boldly, that we would live Jesus better than we preach Jesus. Lord, help us to be a generous church and think of all that that we could do together and individually in this world. Lord, challenge us, remind us to do those three things this week. And if you're someone that came here this morning and um, you're looking, you're looking for something bigger and better, you're looking for direction in life, I want to say a prayer with you right now. It's a simple prayer, but it's the most powerful prayer you'll ever pray in all of your eternity. And it's the prayer that makes the decision to say yes to Jesus and to following him and his plans for your life. And so I want to say a simple prayer here in a minute to lead you into that relationship with God the Father through Jesus and in the power of his Holy Spirit. And if that's something you'd like to do, um, we're going to pray in a minute here. And this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to pray the words out loud with you and for you, but I'm not going to ask you to pray them out loud. I'm just going to ask you to pray them quietly in your heart of hearts to God. The words that I say out loud, you own them. You make them your words, and God will hear you. As you pray and you lift them up in your heart, he hears you. After service, you can go and open your mouth and tell people and let people know, hey, I pray that prayer. I'm a Christian now. I decided to follow Jesus. People are going to be stoked for you. They're going to high-five you. They're going to be so blessed. But right now, it's a serious matter. It's a, it's a thing between you and God. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer to make things right between you and God and get you started off in this incredible life that he has for you, eternity that he has for you. But before we do that, I just want to know who's praying with me. Your friends and family seated around you. Everybody's got their eyes closed. They're praying right now and their heads bowed. But if you would like to pray that prayer with me, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. When I count to three, would you raise your hand to let me know that you're praying that with me? Real simple, on the count of three, just raise your hand and then we'll pray together. I just want to know who I'm praying with this morning. Real simple, here we go. One, two, three. Would you lift your hand and hold it up if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus? Hold it up because I want to see you. I see one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm looking around, eleven right there. So at least eleven people in the room today. Go ahead and put your hands down if that was you. And if I miss you, no worries. God saw you. He's so blessed that that you do that right now. Just join with me in this prayer in your heart. Real simple, God, here I am and I need you and I want you. I'm tired of living the life that I've been living for myself, just not getting me where I think I need to go. I believe, God, I think I've believed it for a while now, but I'm actually verbalizing it right now in my heart. I believe that you're bigger, that you're better, that you have plans for my life. I believe the message that you have in your word that says, that you would forgive me, that you would love me, that you would change my life, that you'd give me new hope and a new future if I would but choose to follow you 
and to surrender my life to you. Lord, I understand that that means that I don't live for myself anymore. I live for you and your purposes and that you're good and you're gonna lead me only into good things. You're gonna protect me from harm and you're gonna make a way for me where I didn't see a way before. And that from this moment on, I wouldn't have to fear death because I'm not gonna get what, what we all deserve, what mankind deserves is, is eternity in hell because we've fallen short of God's glory. But what I get instead is eternity in heaven and life on earth now with you by my side, backing me up, cheering me on. Even when I stumble and fall and do things that I'm ashamed of, you got me, God, and you're forgiving me and you're loving me and you believe in me. And Lord, your Holy Spirit speaks and empowers my life to do things that I could never do on my own. Lord, I believe that what unlocks the door to all of this is believing your son Jesus went to the cross, what communion's all about. He gave his life for me to pay the price so that I wouldn't have to pay the price of eternal separation from you. But Lord, for my sin, they've been forgiven and healed and covered because of Jesus. So I believe in that and I receive that right now. From this day forward, I will walk that out in my life. You are my God, my Father, my Savior, and my friend. Lord, and I'm your child. And I, I from this moment on, promise to follow you the best I can with your help. Thank you for accepting me just as I am right now, knowing that you're going to make me better. Thank you, Father God. I look forward to our life and our eternity together. And in Jesus' mighty name, the church said, amen. Let's praise God for about 11 people that joined the family of God this morning. Amen.